Um, she can, again, speaking stereotypically, I think that women um, might not need as much sex as a guy does. So, um, you know, if she withholds it, then it's going to be the way that she really can exert some control and power a little bit more. This week on the Hitch Podcast, with great power comes great responsibility. And we ask the question, should wives ever withhold sex to exert their own power? Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. Would you like $500? Who wouldn't? We are giving away $500 gift card to online jeweler Brilliance. Entry is as simple as following or liking us on one of the social networks. All the details are on our homepage, hitchedmag.com, and this giveaway will run through June 2013. If you join the Hitched Wine Club this month, you're automatically entered to win. Plus, you get a free $50 bottle of Napa wine automatically with your new membership. So don't wait. Visit hitchedmag.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com, and I am joined uh, with the uh, – I'm, I'm just going to start calling you the original, Karen. Uh, <laughs> uh, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Um, so we um, love getting your letters, uh, love getting the questions that you submit to us on uh, Facebook or Twitter or Google Plus or any of the other platforms we're on. Um, this one we got uh, was uh, from a wife who was upset, and she really didn't explain what the issue was. It was undisclosed reasons, but she was upset with her husband, um, and she wants to know um, if – she should withhold sex from her husband as a punishment. Um, and, you know, this we, – we see this played out all the time on, on TV and other arenas. Um, is, it, is it ever okay to uh, use the withholding of sex as a punishment, Karen, do you think? Mm, well, you know, that's a funny kind of thing. I'm, I'm not going to answer that directly, I'm, but I'm going to come back to it. Okay. Clearly, we know that men and women are different, and certainly when it comes to the area of sexuality, we respond differently to that. For a woman, um, it's really a much more emotional experience. Um, you know, we we are going to get. In order for us to get involved sexually, um, we're going to really start to want to be romanced much earlier in the day. It's it's not going to start in the bedroom or in the bed. Um, it's a whole process, so to speak. For the man, um, he can connect just much more quickly on a biological basis. And when I say connect, I do mean that he's connecting emotionally but it's much more on a physical basis, which is part of the reason that after a fight, a guy will say, okay, want to have sex? And a woman will say, really? <laughs> you know, but that's the way he's reconnecting to her. So uh -huh. if she's upset, whatever the reason is, this undisclosed reason, it's really understandable 
that she wouldn't want to have sex with him because the emotions are in the way. Uh-huh. Okay, so I get that. But to use it as a punishment, I, I, I have a little difficulty with that um, because, you know, I, I think there's lots of other ways to deal with your upset feelings, which would be far more productive. Okay. We, you uh, know what? Let, let's talk about those in a minute. But what would be um, some of the consequences, though, of withholding sex as a punishment? Well, you're the guy. You tell me. Well, I'm, I'm speaking, I mean, obviously not having sex would be a punishment, um, but I'm saying for the, the, the wife, what would be the consequences on her end? Because you were talking earlier about the differences between uh, men and women and the fact that she has uh, this emotional, deeper emotional connection that, you know, kind of lasts longer um, preemptively uh, leading up to sex. Does that, I mean, withholding sex seems like it might impact her more than it would actually impact him. Well, I think indirectly, because here's what's going to happen. I very much believe, and I've trademarked this concept, action-reaction. Okay. So she withholds sex. Now he's going to get angry, or he's going to shut down. Uh-huh. So now, as a reaction to that, she's going to now not get the emotional connection she wants and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse my assumption is and of course i don't know but my assumption is that in some way she's trying to get his attention Mm -hmm. she's trying to make a statement she's trying to get him to you know notice that she's really upset with him and certainly by withholding sex you know, you would think that that is certainly going to be something that would be more noticeable. Um, And maybe she's at her wit's end. You know, maybe she does feel she's tried talking to him or whatever else. I still don't feel that that is um, the method of choice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I I mentioned at the top that uh, withholding sex is something that you commonly see portrayed. Um, do you think the one of the big reasons for this, and it's you know it's hard to dig back, and I actually was doing trying to do a little research to find out where this may have come from, and I got really nowhere. Um, but I was thinking about it and thinking like, well, why is this? And I was thinking about the evolution of our society and how for so many thousands of years, women really didn't have much of a voice, and withholding sex may have been the only way that they could um, exert any kind of power over men. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that's no longer the case. Um, is this really like a, do you think this is one of those like antiquated things that has, has persisted, and we now have a lot better methods of, of doing uh, communicating and resolving issues? Yeah, I do think that women feel that this is where they they have some power. I think that a speaking stereotypically, um, a man is more desirous biologically of sex than a woman is. A woman can, you know, get, you know, a woman needs to connect and can get some of her connection through friends and talking and things like that. Um, she can, again, speaking stereotypically, I think that women um, might not need as much sex as a guy does. So, um, you know, if she withholds it, then it's going to be the way that she really can exert some control and power a little bit more. So I, I do agree with with what your analysis is. Yeah. And and so you um, 
earlier and I, I, I stopped you from um, offering some sort of uh, alternative options for resolution. So what, what might the wife in this instance do? And, and granted, we don't know the circumstances of what the, what the issue is. Well, you know, I, I think that you've got to be able to confront your mate. You know, a lot of times couples, you know, I work with couples so often and I find it so interesting that people will come in here and say, you know, I, well, I told my mate. And then when I say, well, you know, can you tell me what you did or what you said? And it's very interesting that people very often think that they're making their needs known or telling their mate what they're unhappy about, but they don't mm-hmm. um, because it's scary to do that. Um, you know, it means being vulnerable. It means, you know, really putting your feelings on the line. Um, and as humans, that's a scary kind of thing because your partner might not respond in the way that you would like, you know, to to have them responded to. They might not meet your needs. Um, but I think that um, you have to very directly say um, such and such is going on objectively. Mm-hmm. And this happens. This is how it makes me feel. Not this is what you're doing. This is the situation that's happening. And this is how I end up feeling. I was working with a couple earlier today. And what we were discussing was that if she could say to him, when such and such happens, I end up feeling dismissed. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, that you made me feel dismissed, but when this and this is going on, I end up feeling dismissed. And that's not comfortable for me. Now, we know that um, guys, the, some of the, the phrase that they hate to hear most is, you know, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, you know, it's not. So, you know, it, it would behoove women to not go on and on and on, to make their point, to be direct and a lot of times it's best to do it while you're doing an activity because guys find mm. it easier to deal with things, you know. So so there's a whole bunch of ways that you can approach stuff. But again, um, and, and not to blame them, mm. not to attack them. But I think it's got to be stated very directly and say, this is not working for me. You know, when this and this happens, um, it doesn't feel good to me. It's not working for me. We have a problem. Um, and be very, very pointed about, you know, what, what it is that's making you unhappy. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I've actually had similar conversations on, uh, previous episodes with, uh, another one of our contributors, uh, Dr. Noel Nelson. And, um, we've, during those conversations, making the point exactly what you're saying, which is when you have those conversations, you're not saying, you're doing this wrong. You're right. bringing it. You're not putting it on them. You're lighting them into what you're feeling instead. So exactly. you're you're saying things like, I, "I'm feeling this way, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm noticing that these things aren't happening." So you're not saying like, "You're doing this wrong," which right. would immediately shut them down. Exactly. Exactly. You know. As a matter of fact, I even will go one step further and say, when you start the conversation, to let the other person off the hook. And say, you may not be aware of this, or, you know, you, you, Mm. I I don't think you're intentionally doing this, something so that the person sort of takes a breath and says, okay, I'm not getting attacked here. 
because, you know, people are very sensitive. And as soon as you feel like, okay, I'm going, you know, I'm going to get hit here. I'm going to get attacked here. I'm going to get nailed here. The most normal thing in the world is to put your defenses up. So if you sort of prelude it with taking the other person off the hook, they're more likely to um, listen. The other thing is that when we are vulnerable, when we put our feelings out there, unless the person is psychopathic, unless your partner is psychopathic, it is human nature to want to help. Uh So if you say, you know, this is how I feel. I feel hurt. I feel uncared about. The end at the end of the day, it feels like I don't matter, and I need your help with this. Most people, unless you're psychopathic, <laughs> are going to say, "Okay, you know, what can I, what can I do? How can I make this better?" Mm-hmm. And um, one of the other things uh, you mentioned earlier about saying something like, "We need to talk." Um, and, and you offered the, you know, letting them off the hook early, um, you could rephrase even that part of it to let them off the hook. So you could say something like, uh, I have, I have a, an, a, an issue that I wanted to ask you about or something like that, or some, something along those lines that what doesn't automatically, um, spark thoughts of like, oh, what did I do now in their head? And the other thing that I think is really interesting because we we're, we're talking to and about couples is there's a history of these conversations within the couple. And so um, if you have a history of um, having poor communication techniques um, that, that might automatically amplify the reaction that you're getting. So mm-hmm. if you only say we need to talk when there's something really awful and it's always mm-hmm. burst into an argument, you know, <laughs> they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like, oh, maybe this is the one time that I'm not in trouble. Right. They're Absolutely. Assume uh, automatically going to go into that um, that that mode. So um, I think that makes this all a little even more interesting and more helpful when you know how to better approach things. Right. Right. Absolutely. But again, you know, if we go back to the person who sent in the query, um, you know, I I do understand why she might feel like, okay, this is what I have to do to get him to know I'm serious or that, you know, this is something that's really upsetting me and this is the only way I can get his attention. But I'd like to really, really invite her to consider that there's other ways to be heard other than this method, because, um, you know, again, he's just going to react. It's highly unlikely that a guy is going to say, oh, I noticed that, you know, you've been holding, uh, withholding sex from me. You must be bothered. Let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could just end up in like an arms race where then he's going to start trying to do something to retaliate. Yeah. And that's not what you really want. I mean, yeah. so um, we're talking about withholding sex specifically, but are any of these ultimatums ever okay? Or are they ever, um, do they typically result in the desired effect? I think that the only time you give an ultimatum is when you truly plan to carry it out. I think it's a very dangerous strategy. Um, I think that there's a way to say to your partner you know, such and such has been going on. It makes me very uncomfortable. I'm having a hard time accepting this. And, you know, if this kind of thing continues, I'd really have to think about whether I'd want to continue the relationship. Mm -hmm. 
And that at least lets your partner know that you're very serious and you're thinking, you know, in terms of, um, you know, possibly taking some kind of drastic move, but you haven't given an ultimatum. And now it's back in their court for them to now, you know, sort of sit up and notice and say, oops, okay, I better really like pay attention. But I think once you say something like, you know, if this doesn't stop, then I'm done, you know, and you're not really done, then, you know, it's like the boy who cries wolf. Why Mm -hmm. could you ever say, you know, why would you ever give an ultimatum again and think that it's going to be listened to? Yeah. And, you know, you hear it. I mean, I hear it all the time. Um, and I've, and I've seen it, seen it play out where, uh, wives will, uh, express their unhappiness. Uh, the guy says, yeah, uh huh. Okay. And then nothing changes. Right. And then, uh, time passes. And then one day she walks through the door and says, I want a divorce. And he's like, what are you talking about? You want a divorce? Right. Um, so what, um, what can, uh, couples do, you know, in this instance, a wife do when she's, trying to be heard she's trying to get through and it's just not working well there's two things first there's something i want to tell the wives and then something i want to tell the guys Mm -hmm. ladies i think that you have to be again as i said before very very direct and say to the guys i'm really starting to feel like i'm at the end of my rope Mm -hmm. um and before it gets to, you know, a fail-safe point, you know, use words that are very uh, descriptive or very, um, you know, just, you know, telling that you really, go, you know, feeling that you've had it, but not ultimatums. Okay. Um, you know, so that, that he gets that, you know, you really reached a point where it's a dangerous point. So you want to heighten the urgency without right. putting him on the spot. That's correct. Yeah, That's okay. correct. Okay. The other thing that I want guys to know is that one of the danger signals is when a woman stops complaining. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys think, oh, good. She's not complaining anymore. You know, it's fine. And very often what happens is that when a woman stops complaining, it's because she's given up. Uh She sort of feels like no matter what I say or do, nothing is working. So I'm just going to hang in here and plan my strategy for when I can leave. Um, maybe it'll be when the kids graduate high school. Maybe it'll be when I get a, you know, a job where I can save enough money. And so I'll just put up with it. So please don't mistake her silence for thinking that everything's okay. Silence for a woman many times is the red flag that you ought to be paying attention to. Which is why when I, I mentioned that previous scenario about the wife walking in one day and saying, I'm through, and right. then he's like, oh, wait, 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 I'll make all these changes. And well, right. like you pointed out, well, she's been silent for the last six months planning the exit. So yeah. she's already she's already done. She's already moved past that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it was because of that scenario that you painted that triggered my real, you know, that uh, warning that I want to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what happens. So, um, you know, guys very 
often work under the premise of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So she has stopped making noise and she stopped whining and she stopped nagging. So it's like, oh, okay, things are better now. Mm -mm, not better at all. The nagging is really because she's still invested and wants to make things better. Mm. So when that nagging stops, it's really because she is now hopeless. Mm, that's a great, great point. Um, and which, by the way, is also one of the reasons we advocate so strongly to do things together all the time and to have scheduled date nights and things so that you have these opportunities to continue the communication, not just part and drift apart. Yeah. And one of the things I advocate strongly, Steve, is that couples do regular check-ins with each other. Uh, whether it's weekly or every two weeks or even monthly, but basically to say, okay, so what are we doing that we like? And then to go from there to, okay, what could use improvement? Not what's wrong, what could use improvement? Mm -hmm. um, and then that way they never get so disconnected that they really sort of lose track with each other. 80% of divorces that get filed are with the reasoning that we have become too disconnected from each other. And that's just not something that has to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one of the reasons why um, I started Hitched in the first place, which is if you are um, interested in, let's say, football, you probably watch it on TV, listen to analysis, read blogs, um, talk to it about your friends. Um, you're engaged in the constant growth and expansion and the techniques of it going forward. Um, but with marriage and relationships, it seems like people get married and then they just kind of like let yeah. it run its course. Yeah. Um, and that's why I wanted really to start Hitched was I wanted to give people that outlet where they can continue to be engaged, continue to learn new techniques, open up the playbook as you were, um, and find out uh, what are some of the new challenges. You know, when we, when we launched, uh, geez, over seven years ago now, um, there were, I mean, social media just in general wasn't what it is today, let alone mobile apps and all sorts of other things that have really changed uh, some of the dynamics within a relationship, um, keeping you connected longer or letting other people get into your marriage. Like there's all sorts of new issues that have come out of it, um, right. which is why people need to constantly stay vigilant and on top of what's going on uh, within the relationship and within the marriage. Right, right. Yeah, I think you're absolutely hit the nail on the head. You know, um, we do all that good stuff in the beginning of the relationship. Then we make a commitment, which is fabulous. But then we just sort of figure, oh, it'll it'll hold on its own and nothing could be further from the truth. Unfortunately, as I often say, is if you want a relationship to work, you have to work at your relationship. That's right. And, you know, I, one of the other things that I love to uh, think about and point out too is, you know, uh, okay, so the, the average age these days for people getting married uh, differs between gender, between men and women, but it's like, like around 26 to 28 uh, between the two genders. And um, I would like to think that I'm going to be different by the time I'm 70 and 80 years old than when I was in my late 20s. You will be right. Exactly. And, and to, to just assume that I can, you know, stop doing the things, um, during the, from the courting phase throughout the rest of my life for the next 60 years, 70, 80 years, um, and have, and have that same kind of strong connection, I think is right, right. it's fantasy land. 
that's a great way to put it out there, Steve. I like that. That's really good. I mean, to think that something is just going to hang in there on its own for the next 50, 60 years with you do, putting nothing into it is really bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would never do that with anything else. Like you yeah. would never think that, well, I'm going to say super fit without exercising for the right. next 60 years. Right. Right. So um, I think we've done a pretty good job of addressing this topic. Do you have anything else to add? Or are we good to this week? I think we're good. I hope that uh, the person who wrote the letter feels that uh, we responded also. If not, have her uh, please write back and uh, give us more information. Yeah, and uh, please keep uh, sending in those questions and, and letting us know uh, what's on your mind or what issues you, guys, you are dealing with or if you if you need uh, inspiration. We're, you know, we don't always have to problem solve. We can just come up with ideas for you. So anything that you need, we're here for you. Um, but that, for this week, that'll do it. So thank you so much once again, Karen. I always appreciate your time. I'm always glad to chat with you, Steve. I, it, uh, I think between the two of us and our different perspectives, we, uh, as you said, come up with a lot of good ideas for people. Yeah. Um, so before you guys go, I want to remind you, you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationships and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. Uh, you can get more information at her website, drkarensherman.com, including um, information about her books. Her two, uh, her uh, relationship books are uh, Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Um, and she has just launched a new tool for couples. Um, it's called From Fight to Foreplay. Uh, you can uh, go to the website from fighttoforeplay.com. It's all spelled out. And uh, sign up to get a free CD and to watch her uh, intro video to uh, learn more about the program. Um, and, of course, you can follow uh, Karen on Twitter at, at Dr. Karen Sherman. Uh, I am on Twitter at Hitch Media. Um, we're on all the social networks. Karen's on the, the social networks. Um, so Facebook, uh, Pinterest, uh, Google+, Tumblr. We're on all of them. And so if you guys have any thoughts or ideas, hit us up on any of those. And um, that's going to do it this week. Uh, uh, so one last time, thank you so much, Karen. And you, Steve. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Okay, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Tonight, the world is ours tonight. We're on top of the world.